Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. It is Wednesday, I think May the 1st. RJ White is joining me. I'm Will Brinson, uh, proprietor of the Pick 6 Podcast, at least for the next three days. And I'll be on vacation. I'm going to Disney. But this is CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. RJ, can you confirm or deny that it's May 1st? When this May the first be with you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I looked at, usually I look at my phone and I'm like, I just say the next date that's up. But I was like, wait, I don't think there is an April 31st this year. Is there ever an April 31st? I feel like there is. T- typically, no. I mean, usually they only switch it up on February's. So I think if you just assume from here on <laughs> out, right, there's 30. April 31st, you're good. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You're right. 30 days have. The, the whole rhyme. I should know that. Uh, there's never an April 31st. That's the first time in 37 years of being alive that I've forgotten how many days were in one of the, one of the standard months. I'm kind of embarrassed by that, but that's okay. It's been a hectic week. Uh, I first, I want to congratulate you on your awesome job on the draft coverage. You're the behind the scenes editor for all our draft stuff. Um, you also helped to, uh, uh, you found, you unearthed a, a lump of coal. And now Ryan Wilson is a shining draft diamond. What a good, uh, what a good first year for Ryan and a great, another great year for you as a draft editor. So you make, you can, uh, thank your, thank your family, friends, uh, humble brag all you like here if you want. Yeah. You don't give me, don't give me too much credit for Ryan. Ryan kills it on his own. You just, you knew that he would be as good as he is at that, at, at that job. So I take zero credit for Ryan. No. You know, uh, for me though, 100%, I'm amazing. I killed it. Uh, <laughs> you did. No, Will, just... Will did a great job on HQ all weekend. He killed it. Like the whole team is great. You know, we run so smooth and we get and the numbers are up there. You know, year, year in and year out, we're getting better numbers because our team's just getting better at what they do. So great job all around, Will, Ryan, and everyone. Yeah, I actually got a couple DMs, and I got to answer them back. If I, if I hit you back, apologies. But uh, multiple people were like, hey, man, I flipped over to CBS Sports HQ uh, for the draft coverage, and I didn't leave. It was awesome. There wasn't a bunch of bro hugs and, and, and narratives about who's related to who. It was deep, dirty, real-life analysis of football breaking down how guys fit, how guys worked in college, how, you know, how they looked, uh, you know, in, before they made the leap, how they're going to fit with their NFL teams. And this is my daily plug for CBS Sports HQ. That's the reason you should watch it. It's like that for all sports. It's real sports news for real sports fans. And it's always on. It's our 24-7 streaming sports network. You, it's free. You can go download the CBS Sports app on your phone, iPad, uh, Tablet, any tablet, any device, uh, Roku, Amazon Fire, uh, Apple TV, download the CBS Sports app, and you can watch it 24-7 streaming. I know that um, on t- t- today, in fact, I think from 12 to 1, we're going to have a NFL um, win totals uh, uh, special, an hour-long special, breaking down the best win totals, how to bet them. Our guys on Sportsline are going to be there uh, uh, doling out information on which ones you should like. And later on, RJ and I are going to do that as well. Perchance, you may see this uh, podcast player in the post about the best picks for that. RJ and I will also talk about his favorite uh, draft classes. What um, – I was going to say something. Oh, anyway, CBS Sports HQ. Go watch it. I'm uh, – I, I'm, I'm still maybe a little concussed from the stitches thing. I don't know if you heard about that. Nobody, nobody was really talking about it at all. <laughs> How you feeling? I'm, I'm fine. I'm just kidding. I'm, I am well, glad you, that. Um, you can't afford to take another spill like that. I mean, if you lose your pretty face, what else do you have? Uh, nothing. I got I got. I, I got a, a voice for a, a voice for a smoker's den in an Atlanta airport. Is all I got. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of news 
um, out of, um, on, uh, on, on Tuesday. But I, I do think it is worth noting that, uh, John Dorsey, Chiefs G, or Chiefs GM, Browns GM said that y'all, you all don't listen to me when he said that Duke Johnson won't be traded. I tend to think that he's not going to trade Duke Johnson. Uh, and I know that we made, it, there was a lot of chatter about that, but to me, it made, it makes sense for the Browns to keep as many bodies as they possibly can because they, Kareem Hunt's going to miss eight games. Um, you know, Nick Chubb is a stud, but it's not a position where people are necessarily healthy and Duke Johnson's a difference maker. So I don't see why they would get rid of him. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how, how he sticks to that when, you know, we're getting around week eight when the, the trade deadline is and Kareem Hunt's going to be back soon. And then we'll see how he feels about that. But he obviously doesn't want to act like he's shopping him right now because then teams can just offer anything, you know, at that point, you know, they, cause they think they want to get rid of him. So of course, act like you're keeping him. He, he's an integ- integral part on what you're doing. And then, um, when week eight comes around, week seven, whatever, let's, let's see where we are at that point. That's true. I would expect he makes the team out of training camp. I would be surprised if they cut him though. I don't think he's right. a, we're trying to trade him. We're going to cut him guy. Uh, Dave Gettleman, I wrote about this. I thought it was interesting. Just curious your take and we'll get some more information on the draft stuff. Don't want to beat the Giants into the ground, but he said that, um, he basically said that he watched the senior bowl, three series of the senior bowl. And that's how he decided to draft Daniel Jones, met with him uh, on a separate occasion in Durham. Outside of the pro day, Dave Gettleman couldn't make the pro day because it, it, it was uh, at the same time as the owners' meetings. Um, sent his director of college scouting and, uh, and of course, um, oh my God, Mike Shula, his, uh, his quarterback's coach, down there to look at uh, Daniel Jones on the pro day. And then they had a separate interview with him in New York. Are you surprised to find out, RJ, that the Giants weren't really all over Daniel Jones before the end of the like, – they weren't really on to him during the college season. It never happened until the end of the actual regular season. Well, when you know, you know. I mean, you know, all it takes is that one. I mean, you say three three series at the Senior Bowl. I mean, there's been plenty of romantic comedies that have started with <laughs> a smaller premise than that. You know, you know, one meet cute in, in two minutes, and all of a sudden it's two, you know, hour and a half, two hours of romantic comedy. So maybe they'll be writing the story of Dave Gettleman and Daniel Jones before it's all said and done about that fateful meeting. Uh, you know, the small time they 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 uh they spend together parlaying it into multiple Super Bowls like Eli Manning. So who knows? Bagel of Love will be the name of it. Bagel of Love. For those that don't know that Dave Gettleman, uh, he was talking to Peter King, uh I believe I've referenced this, but it's um he was like uh he said uh, Peter Peter King said he got approached by somebody who's like Giants fan, taught me off the ledge. And then Gettleman told Peter King, he said, I'll give you one. Gettleman sell, himself said over the phone an hour later, I was at my bagel shop this morning. Guy said to me, Dave, great pick. <laughs> so that's how I know it was a great pick. The guy at the bagel shop liked it. I, maybe he's on. I, I don't know. Look, um, again, we don't want to dive too far into it. I do think it is, to me, all of this stuff that you hear Dave Gettleman saying only re- reinforces the notion in my mind that ownership told him we need the next quarterback. And if you – we really like this Daniel Jones guy – and I think Dave Gettleman might have talked himself into Daniel Jones as well. That's fine. He could be great. I don't know. We won't know for three years. He um, better be because if they pass on Sam Darnold and the other quarterbacks one year to say we don't need a quarterback, Eli's got years left, and then they, they quote-unquote reach on Daniel Jones at, at six you know, in, a, in the draft where a lot of people thought he was the fourth-best quarterback in a weaker quarterback draft. You know, that's gonna that's that's the kind of thing that that'll get you fired pretty quickly. I mean, so I, what you better I, pay off. I was gonna say that, like, I the only thing holding me back from just continuing to blast Dave Gettleman for this is that the consensus is that it was a terrible pick, and that like scares me a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody's so sure that Daniel Jones won't work out that it worries me a tiny a tiny bit. You never know. I mean, these, you know. 
Andy Dalton isn't great, isn't a great quarterback, but everybody passing him, he went in the second round. You know, we yep. see guys in the second round that that have been successful. Kirk Cousins went in the fourth round. You just you just don't know about some. I'm not, I'm not going to even throw out Tom Brady because he's Russell Wilson in a, in, a, in a lifetime. But yeah, you never know with some of these guys. So so yeah, it's easy to blast them. Bad value on the pick. What are the Giants doing? But you just don't know until he comes out. And he obviously saw something there. And if if it works out, it works out. You know. I, no matter who, how much you hate the pick, you can't say there's a zero percent chance it works out. So, of so I think we gotta wait and see. Uh, two other quick factoids on that. Again, not to beat the Giants to the ground, but Gettle, this is Peter King writing. Gettleman told me he quote knows for a fact end quote there were two teams that wanted Jones between six and seventeen. I could not find them. Peter King continued, though I certainly can't say with certainty that two do not exist. Either way, Gettleman believed it was not a risk worth taking. If I Thought I'd reach on a quarterback at six and I had the 17th pick. I would be saying the same thing. Other interesting factoid in here too. John Elway also told Peter King that the Giants were trying to trade back to 10, um, in the first. And actually I had a, let's see, uh, yeah. And why was Gettleman trying to trade with Denver at 10? Was John Elway told me in Denver after the first round. What, and I, maybe we need a little context there. Was he trying to trade to 10? Before six, after six, like what was the? I I would think that you know Denver was obviously probably sent out feelers that they were they were okay with moving down because that they moved down to twenty you know so we just look at the results so if you if the price isn't prohibitive to get from seventeen to ten and those two teams you say were definitely in on Daniel Jones end up being the Bengals at eleven and the Dolphins at thirteen or the Redskins at fifteen is one maybe you feel more comfortable taking Josh Allen at six thinking that you're going to get Daniel Jones at ten so I can see that working out if if the price isn't too bad going Going from seventeen to ten, and then passing on Daniel Jones because you think you're going to get him at ten. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. I mean, it's it's hard to look. It's hard to know for sure. It's, it's just like you can't. I mean, and I, I I agree with that principle approach is that you don't want to pass on the quarterback you believe is the franchise quarterback to try and wait eleven or nine picks and or eleven picks, excuse me, and just assume that he's going to be there because if you miss, that is a a haunting miss. If if you end up being right about the quarterback, it's even more haunting if you're wrong though. Yeah, I can tell you two teams between six and seventeen that did want Daniel Jones, and that would be at six the Giants and seventeen the Giants. Those are the two teams. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, lastly, in the news, your boy Texas bred Hookem, Hookem, Jamal Charles, one of the I, I don't know how to Pete Briscoe uses the phrase airbacks. Is Jamal Charles Jamal Charles might be one of the OG all time great original airbacks of this modern era. A guy who floated when he seemed to run but could never Just stay healthy. Electric. You know, every time the ball was in his hands, you were expecting him to score. He's so good with the ball in his hands. So so it's it's sad that he has to retire. You know, you wish he would have had more – a higher peak. He would have had a better chance getting into the Hall of Fame at that point. But, I mean, I think he had, what, like a 1,500-yard season, a 1,300, a 1,200, and maybe like one other 1,000-yard season. That was it. Just hurt the rest of the time. That's not going to get it done, especially when you don't have those postseason moments like a Terrell Davis did. So, yeah. so I, I, we're definitely writing him off for the Hall of Fame as much as I love him, as much as I love any Texas player trying to get him in there. Um, you know, I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame conversation, but great career. Just such an exciting player to watch, and, and it's sad to see him go. Uh, Jamal Charles, yeah. And look, this is personal, but I, I just distinctly remember when this happened in 2009. Um, Jamal Charles had had a 100-yard rushing game in uh, week eight against the Raiders and hadn't really done anything else. Of course, you know, he was a, uh, a third-round pick out of out of uh, out of Texas in the 2008 NFL draft had a slow rookie season and then in the final four games 
of the 2009 NFL season. I remember this because I picked him up for a playoff run. It's one of the all-time great fantasy football playoff runs. He had 658 yards in the final four games of that year, and it set him up for what would be, what what would end up being a uh, a monster 2010 season when he made an all pro team with 1467 yards and five touchdowns you right later had in 2012 coming back from an ACL tear 1500 yards and then made the all pro team again in 2013 with 1287 and uh and 12 touchdowns to, it feels like he could be a hall of famer it, like when you watch him but you're right the stats say uh, not, yeah, he, not like. I'd that. say he's definitely a Hall of Fame talent. He just didn't have the long enough career to put it to put it together and put that resume together. Reminder of how difficult football truly is. All right, let's talk about RJ. Again, you're the the draft expert, draft guru here. Uh, your six favorite draft classes. Oh, I scraped my headset. Apologies. Pick six podcast. So you're going to pick six. That's how it works. Well, who's who had the best draft class? Uh, it's hard to say best. I don't think there was any A pluses here, and I'm not sure there was any A's here. You know, I, I would give somebody an A minus. It's just there was some teams that picked up a lot of great talent, but I think they might have ignored some some bigger needs to do it. So I don't think anybody came out of this draft looking like top to bottom a, a great team. Um, there's also teams that addressed bigger big needs but didn't do it with as good a talent as they could have. So so I wouldn't say anybody is definitely a home run draft, but I do have some I like. The first is the Tennessee Titans. Mm. I think Simmons is a great pick at 19. He would have went higher without the ACL injury, as everybody says. He's a true difference maker on the defensive line once he's healthy. You know, I thought they needed more help at edge rusher. You know, a lot of, a lot of the mocks put them with guys like Brian Burns, Cleveland Furrow. Um, but getting that interior disruptor like Simmons and pairing that with Jarrell Casey, I mean, they're going to cause a lot of havoc on the inside. And I think that alleviates some of the concern for an edge rusher because that makes life a lot easier for those guys when you have such, you know, chaos going on on the inside. Um, you know, the, uh, Rams last year got by with, with mediocre talent and outside, um, you know, linebacker, at least until they got Dante Fowler, who was a little bit more of a boost, but because they had those stud three defensive, defensive linemen. So I think the Titans kind of took an eye, looked, looked at that and said, we're going to try to do that here. And when the Titans have, I thought Harold Landry had a really good rookie season and relative to, you know, expectations and, and where he fell, he's great value in the second round of the 2018 draft. And then they got David Long as a, a six round pick. You're not expecting him to be a, a superstar or anything, but in that DNP system, maybe he could be a situational pass rusher and, I do think it speaks to the Titans' ability to – they know they have uh, some patience in terms of the front office and, and the coaching staff now for once, and so they can sort of gamble on the long the long con, as it were, with Jeffrey Simmons. Right. I like Long more as the inside backer. I think the uh, the right, guy right. deep that they got is DeAndre Walker. I think he has a great upside. Oh, that's who I meant. I'm sorry. Yeah, DeAndre Walker. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he he can come in as a rotational edge rusher right away, give you a boost right away. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as a starter by year two or year three. They brought in Cameron Wake. He's not going to be a long-term option there. You know, he, he's toward the end of his career. But Walker is the kind of guy he gets coached up right. You know, he could be that that pairing that you need with Harold Landry. Um, and that's not something you can say about a lot of those late-round picks like that. So so I think that was a great pick. Um, you know, rewinding to a little bit earlier in the draft, um, A.J. Brown Steele at 51 might be the best receiver in this draft. He was the go-to option at Ole Miss. He might be the go-to option at ten- Tennessee. Like, I wouldn't rule that out. He's that big of a talent. I think along with Adam Humphreys and him, that's going to take some of the pressure off Corey Davis. You, those three are your top options. You throw in the two tight ends, which Johnny Smith and Delaney Walker. There's no excuses for Mar- Marcus Mariota if the passing game isn't a plus. You know, you got that kind of talent around you. You have to be better. Um, Nate Davis was a good pick at three. He's a small school guard. I thought that's where he should go, and I could see him starting pretty quickly this season. They already have two excellent tackles. They added Roger Saffold, and now they add this guy. 
Um, again, it's no excuses for Mariota. I mean, you've built up everything around him that the only question mark now is the quarterback. Is he going to get it done? If this isn't a playoff team next year, I think that's when you got to think about making a change at quarterback because you've done everything else you can't from a personnel standpoint. If, you, if Ryan Tannehill can't get it done this year, when can Ryan Tannehill get it done? So and, we have to ask. and then the last guy, Mamani Hooker is a good pick. He's a versatile safety who should get some playing time on defense pretty quickly. You know, he's he's on day three as well, but that's another guy that shouldn't have been available on day three that that I think they picked up for value. So that I, every one of those picks, I think, addresses some kind of need for them. And uh, I think they're all good players, and I think they were value where they got all of them. So so I think that's why they're my best draft at this point. Corey Davis is, sort of stands out um, as a, as it may be a red flag in the fact that they only had four guys last year in, in the draft. But overall, when you look at what John Robinson's done in his three drafts, it's hard not to like his ability as a personnel evaluator. And Corey Davis could end up, I mean, Corey Davis could end up having a nice year in his third season. So, so we'll see on that. By the way, shout out to, uh, I just, I don't know if you may have heard me crack that in the middle of it. Uh, this is a, uh, 16 ounce hazy Jane from Brewdog. That's right. We're recording this later on, uh, on Tuesday. So I can drink. I'm doing this podcast. The guys at Brewdog sent us a shipment, sent Heath one too. We're going to have Heath Cummings on later this week, um, to, to break down fantasy and dynasty rankings. If you can find Brewdog wherever you buy your beer, you should buy it because it's delicious. And the Hazy Jane is a wonderful New England IPA. Speaking of New England, RJ. I I'm just kidding. No, you can go. You can go to a different direction. Everybody. No, no, no. I, I can do New England. I just, I just like that you're acting like you needed to be a certain time of the day for you to start drinking. As if, that's that's a good point. If it was one p.m., you wouldn't be drinking right now. Uh, are, I, well, I don't think I. I mean, if it was like one, if it was like twelve p.m., I wouldn't be drinking. One p.m. maybe. By the way, our boss uh, Kevin Simon was giving me some Disney tips. He said it's nice that because uh, I went to Disney next week. He said it's nice that um, you can now. You know, per chance, get yourself an adult beverage or two out in the park, which is something you couldn't do in the 80s based on my dad's complaints about Disney. So speaking of New England, I think everybody, <laughs> everybody's got to say New England had a good draft because, you know, they know what they're doing. They've proven it over 20 years. They know what they're doing. So, of course, they have one of the top drafts. Nikhil Harry gives them the outside presence in the passing game they desperately needed. He knows how to go get the football. I think he can quickly emerge as a top receiver in the league. I'm not saying like top five, top ten. But, you know, fantasy drafts are going to are going to be taking this guy top 20, I would think, by by year two, um, because I think if they use him right, you know, he's going to emerge pretty quickly. And you have to think they will use him right, because that's what they do. They know how to put these guys in positions to succeed. Uh, Joe on Williams is a physical corner who needs some work, but he's landed in a great spot again. Uh, Chase Winovich had a great combine and showed he can provide some versatility from the edge spot. I wonder if he's going to be like that Sam backer that like, um, you know, they get from like Kyle Van Noy or if he's going to play the actual edge since they lost Trey Flowers. Either way, he's shown he could be versatile. So whatever they want to use, however they want to use him, I think it's going to work out. So I don't know about the need in Damian Harris, um, but Kajust and Froholt are, are underrated additions to the line. I could see both starting in a year or two, probably not right away. Uh, Stidham's a nice wild card to develop at quarterback. He was a first-round talent heading into 2018. I think you figure at least he's a long-term QB2, even if he's not you know, a superstar. Um, so I, I like that. The rest of the picks, you know, I'm ho-hum, but – you know, you're already talking about what six, seven difference makers there. So I think it was a good draft for New England. I think they did a good job addressing what they needed to do. Yeah. Um, how high would you take? I don't know. How high would you take in Keel Harry in a rookie draft that features uh, baseball and basketball players? Hypothetically speaking, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. How high would you take in Keel Harry in a baseball in a, and basketball? Nowhere because you you, you said baseball instead oh, of football. football about, yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean. Uh, how high would you take? Do you have Inkeel Harry like above the tight ends and the running backs? Not Josh Jacobs, obviously, but when you're looking at your dynasty, your personal dynasty preferences? I think I'd probably put him second. Wow. 
Wow. Okay. Behind, you know, Jacobs obviously won. Yeah. You can, if positional need, maybe you go with Miles Sanders second. Obviously, the Eagles like liked him enough to take him in the second round. So, so I could see running backs. It's hard to find then if you want to go him. But I think out of the receivers, I'd rather have Nikhil Harry than anyone. What supplemental pick do you have in the League of Leagues draft? Two. Oh, wow. So you're getting Josh Jacobs or Zion or maybe another basketball player. Yeah, no, uh, probably Jacobs, I would think. I mean, we, we took the second slot figuring Zion would go one and we would get Jacobs at two. Yeah, 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 you're gonna get Josh Jacobs. That's pretty nice. That's a good haul for you. That means, now I won't feel bad if I get in and kill Harry on my, on my, on my first overall pick. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. League of Leagues, it's nerd, nerd time. Anyway, uh, who else had a good draft for you? Who's your third, or your, another one of your six, your top six drafts? Yeah, I like the Eagles. It wasn't a deep class, but I love what they did. Uh, they knew they had to move up if they wanted Andre Dillard. They did just that, getting a potential top 10 pick in Dillard at 22. He addresses the biggest long-term concern I think they had in Philly, and that's protecting Carson Wentz's blind side. You know, uh, Jason Peters in his mid, mid to late 30s coming off those knee injuries. You know, we, we kind of thought that they were going to address this long-term left tackle prospect for the last few years. Now they finally did it, and they did it with a guy that has a ton of pass blocking experience that uh, I think is going to really play out well for them. So, so good for them to move up and get him. Miles Sanders, we were just talking about, he gives the team their best talent at the running back position since, I don't know, LaShawn McCoy maybe? I mean, I, I put him over Jay Ajaye and Ryan Matthews and other guys that they've had there. Yeah. Um, I think he could be a, potentially be a star if he develops right, you know, but, but who knows, you know, with those, those backs. I'm not necessarily calling on that to happen for sure. And at the very least, attacking him and Jordan Howard is going to give them a threat in the run game they didn't have last year when they averaged 3.9 yards per carry as a team. And you get a more reliable in in the box option in uh, Howard. So I like what they have at the running back position now. I I think it was a a cause of concern last year. They really couldn't lean on it like they did the year before when LeGarrette Blunt played pretty well. And this year, I think they can feel comfortable with with Sanders and Howard going into the season. So I like that. Um, Then also in the second round, J.J. Arcego-Whiteside was good value. It gives them another red zone option with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Between those three guys, they got in the draft, plus adding Deshaun Jackson and Howard. Um, I think you have to love the upside of this offense if wins can stay healthy and if the interior of the offensive line does its job because they really didn't do anything to address the interior of the offensive line in the draft, and I thought they could. You know, I thought they might be in play for Bradbury if he got to them at 25. So so the, I'm a little bit concerned about the interior of the offensive line, but, but got to love those playmakers they got. I don't think I, the only issue with Bradbury, I mean, maybe you draft him for the same reason you take Dillard. Because Bradbury said he was only going to play center, wasn't going to play right. guard. I mean, that, that would be maybe a concern because you have Jason Kelsey. Uh, and they signed her to an extension. But I, I agree with you. I think when you look at the Eagles, this Eagles team, to me, they are head and shoulders above the rest of that division. And it's a pretty substantial margin for me. Yeah, I would say so, too. I mean, Giants and Redskins are on a tier on their own, so you're really only talking about them versus the Cowboys. Yep. And I think they went into the draft with a lot more needs than the Eagles did, and without having that first-round pick, it's a little hard to fill them. So so they they then they, they took a guy as a defensive tackle in the second round that people thought was a little bit of a reach. Uh, I think he could be a solid player. He definitely addressed the need, but now you're kind of behind the eight ball at safety, so I don't know what they're going to do in the secondary um, you know, I think they do have a little bit more offensive concerns that I don't know why they're taking Tony Pollard with their third pick and then following up with another running back later. Yeah. Just a little bit of a weird draft to me. So so I, I like what the Eagles did a lot more in the draft. I think they were stronger already with what they did in free agency. And, and yeah, I think they're the definite favorites in that division. Yeah, and one of the big concerns with the Eagles was that the the weapons out there. And now that you know, they have Zach, I mean, they have Zach Hurts, they have Dallas Goddard. You know, you had Alshon Jeffrey there, but you add so much speed to Sean Jackson in the offseason. Matt Collins still there. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, a lot more depth. Nelson Aguilar still on the team for now. Uh, a lot more depth there. If that offensive line holds up and Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz plays 16 games, I think they have a good year. Who's uh, who's next? Uh, I'm going to take your favorite team, the Chargers. 
Oh, yes. Uh, that guy, I love their draft. Yeah, Jerry Tillery should have created more buzz heading into the draft. I think he was a lot like Cleveland Furl in that everybody knew he was good, but nobody really talked about him. You know, there were more more headline catching names. You know, when Montez Sweat runs his forty and Brian Burns does all his work, um, and I think that was the same. I would put him kind of in the tier of Christian Wilkins. I don't think there's that much difference between them. Wilkins went thirteen, Tillery goes twenty eighth. So I think he looks the part. He has great traits. He's a heck of an athlete. He's exactly what they needed to do on the interior of that defensive line between the two stud defensive ends. Um, so I, I love that pick there starting off. And then you go to Nasir Adderley. He's a great compliment to Derwin James at, at the safety position. I, I thought corner might have been a bigger need. Getting a starting capable player at free safety, though, kind of allows Desmond King to be a slot corner only. I know there's been been speculation they can move him back to free safety at some point. You don't have to do that now when you have Nasir Adderley. So if Trevor Williams is healthy and as effective as he was in 2017 before, you know, dealing with an injury riddle 2018, I think this is an outstanding secondary. I think if the game's not too fast for Adderley, that is, you know, he could come in and struggle a little bit coming from Delaware, D2, so or FCS or whatever we're calling it. Um, so, uh, you they have the upside of being a pretty good secondary, you know, for the next several years with the guys they have in place, especially how young they are. I, I look at the Chargers and I just think they're, it's a really well built team. And if they can get, um, if the offensive line stays healthy, I think that they should be the favorite to win that division this year. I, I think it, I think it, assuming Tyreek Hill, something he's done play 16 games, I think you could flip. Remember, we talked about this last year. We both loved the Chiefs to win the division, especially like what did we get plus three twenty-five or something, yeah. which in hindsight is just absolutely ridiculous that we got that value. It ended up being closer than it was, but uh, it was it was a steal. Um, I think the Chargers could be a, a nice value in that division. All right, who's next? Next, I like the Pittsburgh Steelers. They paid a premium to get up to number ten, but I love that aggressiveness to go get Devin Bush. That was the thing they needed, you know. And there was only two of those guys in this draft, so you you could say maybe they sit back, they get something else, and they come back and get a linebacker later. I don't think it's a situation where we're going to find a Darius Leonard in this draft at the at the linebacker position. So you want an impact inside linebacker if you're the Steelers, you got to go get him, and that's what they that's what they did. He's a little small. I don't think it's going to be an issue. Bobby Wagner is a little small if you just look at his size, and you know he's one of the best linebackers in the game. Um, so he cost him multiple picks to land, Devin Bush did, but I think he's going to have that outsize of an impact that he's going to have the impact of a first rounder plus, you know, a guy or two you get later on day two, maybe day three. Um, I thought that Deontay Johnson was a bit of a reach, but look, if anyone deserves the benefit of the doubt when it comes to receivers, it's the Steelers. So I'm going to put that on my own sense of just not, not being as familiar with him as I should be. If they know, they know what they're doing at the receiver position. So if he comes out and he's their next stud receiver, that's not going to surprise me at all. And you don't need, need that to happen right away because they have enough at the position to compliment Juju um, so that he doesn't have to come in and play a big role in year one. James Washington, you know, is a, is a, a year more experienced. You still got um, Eli Rogers hanging around if you want to help that. You still got some tight ends. So I, I like that. And then Justin Lane was an outstanding get in the round three. He has good size. He's getting better the more he plays the position. He used to be a receiver. I think he's only played two years at cornerback. Um, so they obviously like what they see there um, for, for how inexperienced he's at the position. And you're talking about that guy in the third round and you think he's going to get better. You know, that's better than some of the guys they've taken in the first round at the position. Um, so I, you, you put Joe Hayden, Steven Nelson now, one of their free agent uh, signings, and then Lane as their top three. I think Pittsburgh fans are going to feel a lot better at that position going into the year. And uh, Benny Snell's a Steelers back through and through. I mean, he looks like a Steelers back. If called upon, I see him being productive if he needs to, like, fill in for James Conner at some point. And then from there, it's hit or miss. But, I mean, that that's a good, you know, four-pack of players right there. And I kind of like Ulysses Gilbert as depth if he can make the team. And Bugs was a good value, too. So I think it's a good draft all in all for the Steelers. I, I like, too, that the Pittsburgh Steelers were able to trade up from 20 to 10 
and not pay the sort of premium you would expect. Like they sacrificed a 20, 20 third round pick and of course their you know, second round pick and, and first round pick this year. But that's like in, you know, if, if this is a draft loaded with quarterbacks, maybe that's a, a much higher price than you'd have to pay. You know what I'm saying? Like I think they got away with a pretty good deal. Right. You always, you always kind of overpay going up for quarterbacks, but even, even taking non quarterbacks that trade and you saw, um, the Saints moved up from 27 to 14. That's not that big of a difference from 20 to 10. Nope. And it cost them their, their first round pick this year. So you, you avoid, you, you know, you get to keep your first rounder next year. And I think that take amassing first rounders is, is kind of trumps all. You know, you, you give up a two and a three if you can keep a one. No, I agree completely. All right. Uh, I think that's five teams. Who's last? Is that four or five? Last is going to be the Arizona Cardinals begrudgingly. Because I don't think they should have taken Kyler Murray. You know, I'm, we with, can, I'm with you. I'm with you 100. percent The process, the process sucked, but okay. damn if Steve Kime didn't kill it in the draft. Yeah, we don't have to litigate it over and over. But uh, they obviously think he raises the ceiling of the offense. So whatever, you know, maybe maybe he will. Maybe he's a great fifth or Cliff Kingsbury, the guy who couldn't cut it at Texas Tech. Um, so <laughs> so we'll see. But the okay. reason this class is one of the best to me is what they did after taking Murray. You know, you. You throw out everything else that they had. You throw out Murray and everything else they got. Still an A draft for me, an A minus draft for me. Uh, Byron Murphy's the best corner in this draft, and it filled a big need for so long. Teams could attack that cornerback too for Arizona and avoid Patrick Peterson. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think when you have him there, it's going to be a lot tougher to throw on Arizona. Um, Isabel and Butler make the offense much more explosive, and the Cardinals don't have to be as methodical on offense on every single drive, hoping to get 10.1 yards every single to get a first down every single time, and and hope that nothing goes wrong. Interception, sack whatever you know you can get more explosive plays out of these guys so uh we were wondering how this group was going to look after larry fitzgerald left i think a top three of christian kirk butler and isabella is just fine for kyler and then you throw in the Keyshawn johnson you know flyer later maybe he helps too um and then they get great value on zach allen for the defensive line after passing on those studs at, n- at number one overall you know you had a, a you had a t- potential top 50 talent in Deontay Thompson. We thought he'd be a first-rounder coming into the year. Um, he ended up falling because he had a bad second half of the season and wasn't great at the combine and all the pre-draft stuff. But they got him an incredible value in the fifth, um, and he could obviously come in and emerge as a, as a key player in that defense. Then they grabbed a solid interior lineman in Lamont Galliard in, in the sixth round. So I like a lot of those players. I think even if you were to say – Take those receivers off, take Murray off, and just look at the defense. You're talking Byron Murphy, Deontay Thompson, Zach Allen. That's a pretty solid class already, you know, for your top three picks. Um, you know, obviously not a number one overall, but say you're picking in the 20s. You know, I would I wouldn't mind having those three guys. And then you throw on Kyler Murray, the receivers, and then that offensive lineman. I mean, it's a pretty good draft all around, even if you don't like Kyler. Yeah, I, I mean, like I wanted to hate it. I wanted to blast him for for trading Rosen, and uh, there's just no way to do it because. They ended up with a great draft. Now, maybe they'll win more than five game this year, five five games this year, which is something we might discuss when we hit some over unders after we take a quick break. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, 
used to go as a kid. Wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right, so RJ, the, the Westgate out in Las Vegas, they've been pushed by the market, squeezed by the market to release their uh, over-unders for NFL teams much earlier than they had in years past. It's unbelievable how, to me, how the the, the – proliferation of betting sports betting and the popular population popularity of gambling has changed just how like it used to be all right you know we'll, th- we'll toss it out there like may 20th once we get around to handicapping these win totals nobody's really swarming into bed now they sort of have to do it and they have to do it quickly are you surprised at the change in how that's operated no i want to say last year they came out like a week before the draft i know i know for some Places they put them out even earlier this year, like you were saying, March 31st or, or you know, right at the beginning of April. So it's it's just going to keep getting earlier and earlier because there's such a push to to see this, to for people to talk about it, to to get their early bets on. And it's not that much of a liability for them because they can throw them out there with very low um, max bets. Um, so you you can't really. If you're gonna, you're not gonna have the same limits, you know, in on March 31st or even on, you know, right now May 1st, as you're gonna have later in the off season when every, everything has developed a little bit. So I think they're fine doing that. I think it's a good trade off for them to get the publicity of it, to get people int- more interested in win totals and handicapping the season, how things are gonna go, kind of being able to put their stamp on it at this point of the season rather than waiting until you know July August. Um, well, we like to look at our over under, so you and I are going to pick six together. I'm not going to let you do it by yourself this time, but we're, you're going to pick three. I'm going to pick three. Let's, uh, let's talk about who we like in terms of over-unders. I'll let you go first. Who's your best bet right now? If you had to pick an over-under. My best bet, and it's, it's, I don't like doing it because it's a team with a good coach and it's a team that I made some money off going into the playoffs last year. Yep. And that's the Baltimore Ravens under eight and a half wins. It's a minus one twenty. Now they entered the draft with the worst receiver group in the league, and I and I, I like taking Marquise Brown. I love Miles Boykin. The former is getting over a serious foot injury. Like Mar- we can't just write off Marquise Brown as an immediate impact week one guy. You know, he, it, res- these foot injuries tend to linger for these receivers. So I don't know that that uh, that I'm counting on him too big in year one. And Miles Boykin doesn't figure to make a huge year one impact. You know, he's going to need a little bit more development, love the traits. You know, he blew the doors off the combine. He tested in like the 99.8th percentile. But uh, there's a reason he didn't go in round one, even with those testing numbers. So he's going to take a little time to develop. Uh, I think both of them make the offense better, but neither of them gives them the go-to receiving option they need right out of the gate. And I don't know who that guy is because they were so bad at receiver. So that means you're putting everything on Lamar Jackson again. And a run-centric offense can work in today's NFL. We saw the the Seahawks build around the run a lot more than some teams would. Um, but the Ravens benefited from playing a slew of terrible rush defenses. I know you were all over that a year and um, week in and week out. They were playing some of the worst defenses in the league. Um, and right when Lamar Jackson took over, so it made their offense hum a little better than it, than it would have otherwise. And uh, they don't have the defense in place that they've had in the past. C.J. Mosley's gone. Terrell Suggs is gone. 
Earl Thomas is a nice addition at safety, but you know he's replacing another good safety, so it's not like they they severely upgraded that that spot there. So I worry about how this defense generates pass rush, and I don't know how much I trust the linebacker core. So I think Jackson's going to have to win some games with his arm at times this season, and uh, he doesn't have the best stable of weapons to make it easy. It's not like he's rolling in there with some of the the receiving groups we see around the league. He doesn't have that group that that Arizona just drafted. So I think even with some easy teams on the schedule, like they open at Miami and home against Arizona, I, I think this is a 500 team at best, especially when you're considering the Browns are probably going to be better. Steelers are still going to be good. Uh, the division's a little bit tougher than it usually is because you don't have two teams to beat up on uh, like you usually do. So so give me Ravens under 8.5, probably my best bet right now. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I we we were we were on the same page like we were on the same page last year. I like the Ravens um, coming into uh, coming into the, coming into the year last season. And it turned out I mean Joe, I, I'm okay I'm I'm actually okay with it because I like the process too that happened. Like I said throughout the course of, of leading up the season, like I think Joe Flacco will play pretty well, but if he gets hurt or for some reason stinks, Lamar Jackson could come in and be a difference maker, and that that was the case. Like I mean, it, it mattered. Now got completely lucky with the rushing attack, um, but I agree with you, you know, 100 percent here. If you look at their schedule, they have to play the Patriots, um, you know, the Texans, the Rams, the 49ers are better. The the AFC East as a whole is better. The Bills and the Jets, the Browns, they have to play twice or are much better this year. I don't I don't think the Bengals are as bad as people think. Uh, they're at Seattle for a game. This is a rough at Kansas City. It's a rough schedule, and I, I I agree with you completely. I think that we see them go under. My number one uh, choice. It is pretty easy and pretty obvious, and it's going to be my Super Bowl pick. Spoiler, it's the Los Angeles Chargers. I think the Los Angeles Chargers, as you pointed out, had a great draft. I thought that they, uh, I thought they, they killed it, and I think that they're staring at maybe not an easy schedule, but there's just a lot to like here. I, I'm a little worried that they might start slow. You know, you have the Colts at home in week one at the Detroit Lions. And by the, by the way, that over-under for the Chargers is 9.5, juice to minus 120. Uh, Texans at home in week three and at the Dolphins. Now, they could start one and three because that's what the Chargers do. But, um, you know, when you look at what they have to deal with, they're going to have two more Raiders games after that. Of course, two more Broncos games. They get the Vikings at home, at the Jaguars. Uh, you know, they have the Packers at home, not, not easy, and at the Bears. So it's not an easy schedule, at the Titans as well. I, I don't think that they're guaranteed to go on cruise control, but this this roster is so deep and so talented, and I think that they're used to winning now, and they're not really concerned with it. And maybe the biggest maybe the biggest thing is what's going on in Kansas City with Tyreek Hill and, and the fact that if he goes away, what, what happens to the offense? I think it'll still be good. But it's stripped down a little bit. I'm worried that the Chiefs maybe aren't the best team in that division. Um, so I love the uh, Los Angeles Chargers over nine and a half. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm a little worried about the offensive line. I think all it takes is 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 a shaky offensive line to get somebody hurt. You know, we saw Deshaun Watson get banged up behind a shaky offensive line last year. If Philip Rivers starts taking these hits, I mean, I know he's been the Iron Man, but but it just takes one bad hit, and all of a sudden, now they do have a good backup. They signed Tyrod Taylor, so and so he can probably come in. And, uh, you know, make some noise, uh, on, on his own. So I wouldn't necessarily say they can't get to 10 wins with Tyrod at quarterback. They have such a, a solid core around him. Um, I don't know if they completely figured out the linebacker position. You know, that was a huge issue going into the, the year. They got Thomas Davis, which is a good, solid player. Um, they need some other guys to, to stay healthy. You know, they, they didn't really focus on position in the draft. They got a couple guys in the, on day three. Um, that one of them I think is pretty solid, but you know, you can't count on those guys in year one. So, there's, I can see it paying off easily. 
I can see, you know, some issues popping up and some guys dealing with injuries. I don't think they're a very deep team. They're very star heavy, especially with those guys at pass rusher in the in the secondary. Uh, Phil Rivers, you know, you got your uh, your top receivers, but what happens if a couple guys get hurt? Then I think it might be a little bit of a roller coaster. That would that would be problematic if a, if, if Philip Rivers and Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram all get hurt. That is going to make this a a difficult bet to win. I'm trying to find if I can very quickly. Um, the uh, the playoff odds for the Chargers and it is minus two twenty to make the playoffs. That's pretty expensive. So I don't I don't uh I don't love that. I do uh like, however, let me just bring this up real quick. The Chargers currently ah nine to five. They were three to one back in March. They're nine to five to win the division. I still like the odds to win the division because the Chiefs are five to eight. So I think that maybe you could go with nine to five to win the division to get plus money. They can still win the division at nine games. That's probably unlikely, but um, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a, a better gamble than going with the the Chargers to go over nine. Or nine I guess you probably want the over nine and a half, right? Um, yeah, it just depends on your, your thoughts on the Chiefs. But if we're gonna, you know, bag the Chiefs that much, let's take their under. You know, why are you, if, if your main point is because of the Chiefs, then just bet the Chiefs. Bet, you know, bet them to well, I just miss, think the Chargers, miss the playoffs or under, under whatever and try to get your value there. The Chargers were close to winning the division last year and it, it just wasn't that far off. Um, alright, what's your second team on this over under? So I take the Cowboys under nine wins at minus 120. Uh, I think it's easy to just chalk out four wins against the bad Giants and Redskins teams, but we know those are going to be tough games no matter the quality of the teams. Year in and year out, we see the Cowboys having to have tough games, especially the Giants. You know, you always get that primetime game that, that who knows who's going to win it uh, between those two teams. Um, so I'm not really just chalking up four and no against, against those two teams home and away. Um, aside from that, they get the Dolphins and Bills at home. You know, I don't know if there's any other easy wins on the schedule. They have at the Saints, at the Pats, at the Bears. They have home against the Packers, Rams, and Vikings. They have two games against the Eagles, who we know are good. Uh, I'm not sure road games against the Jets and Lions are going to be pushover. You know, we think the Jets are going to be better. Um, the Lions play a little better at home, obviously, than away, like most teams. Um, I'm not going to just chalk them up for a win there for sure. Uh, they can. You, can you find 10 wins there? Sure, I guess you can. But I think it's easier to find eight losses, and I think we're looking at a push at worst. Um, I don't think they got that much better in the draft. They really only blew one team out of the water last year in the Jags. They didn't win any other game more than eight points, and the schedule was much easier for them than it will be this year, You know uh, how they finished you know, the fir- as a first-place team. Uh, we don't know what they're going to get from Kellen Moore's and OC. I mean, you throw in potential distractions if a bunch of extensions aren't done by week one. It's kind of one of the more shaky contenders around, so I saw that going under. Uh, if you look at their schedule down the, the second half, they get a week eight bye, which is nice. At the Giants, I don't, I don't, I, I, I with you 100%, I don't think it's fair to call it a, a free win. The Giants, the Giants to me are a better team than people think. The Vikings at home, that is a tough matchup. At the Lions, at the Patriots, Bills at home, at the Bears, Rams, at the Eagles, and then Redskins in week 17. That's a rough stretch to, to close out. I don't think there's a, a whole lot of free games. That Bills game, obviously, at home on, um, on Thanksgiving. This year they didn't get gifted what the NFL always gives them, which is a home game before Thanksgiving, a home game on Thanksgiving, and then some sort of short, you know, dealable matchup. I mean, they're at New England, then Bills at home on the short week, and then seven days later on Thursday night football in Chicago. I mean, I don't think the Bills are going to beat them on Thanksgiving, but if they do better than one and two, that's a massive win for, for the for the Cowboys, and I think we're severely underrating Jason Garrett's coaching chops when we start to talk about the uh, the Buffalo Bills. Um, speaking of the Buffalo Bills, I'm gonna take the Bills over. I've been talking about this for a while. 
it's uh, did I say it's six and a half? Is it Buffalo Bills over? Heavily, yeah, six it's six and a half, but it's heavily juiced. I, I one sixty minus one sixty. Yeah. yeah, see, but now I don't have to lay the juice right now. I can just say I think the Bills are going to win more than seventeen seven games. Um, I would if if this moved to over under seven at minus one ten minus one one ten. I don't know how much I'd like it because you have to get the seven to push. Um, it stinks that Vegas is sort of all over the Bills here, but. I, I like what the I like what the Bills have done this offseason. I think that this is one of the sneaky underrated teams in terms of the guys that they've added. John Brown, um, Cole Beasley's going to make life a lot easier for for Josh Allen. They they have ninety five running backs, so somebody should have a good year. I would expect Frank Gore maybe getting cut, but T.J. Yeldon's a nice receiving option out of the backfield. Devin Singletary I liked a lot coming out of FAU. Uh, they added Ed Oliver in the draft. I love that move. Just sat there at nine and got him there. Cody Ford in the second round traded up to get him. That makes life easier for Josh Allen. Uh, signed Mitch Morse. I just think that this is a it's a this is a Buffalo team. This is a blue collar Buffalo team that's. Entirely unsexy, but with Sean McDermott coaching it and with some decent offense performance by, from Brian Dayball, this could be a seven or eight or nine win team. I hope so, from your lips to God's ears, you know, as a Bills fan. But uh, I, I'm not all in on them. I do think they're a good team. I, I love their coaching staff. I think they get the most out of their players. They got better in the offseason as far as talent is concerned. They needed to get better. I don't know that they got a lot of stars. I think Mitch Morris is a great at his position. Uh, I think Ed Oliver was a fantastic find, and he's going to be a star. But all those names you list and, and how good they got, they're all incremental upgrades, which is good. You know, you need to increase the talent on your team, and those kind of guys are going to do it. Cody Ford is going to going to be good. You know, you bring in a swing tackle, Ty Nasecki is going to be good. Um, all these other guys they bring in, I think Kevin Johnson at the corner, they also got. Um, but I don't know that it's like a huge imp- a huge influx of impact talent. Except when you get, you know, you talk about Oliver, who's an interior uh, disruptor, and then Mitch Morris, who how how huge of an effect is the center going to have? Considering the centers they they've had in the past, you know, since Eric Wood is retired, pretty good maybe. You know, it was a it was a position um, a weakness last year, so maybe they're good this year. But it's going to be a stronger division. I think the Jets are better. We'll get to the Jets in a second. You, know, you always have the Patriots hanging over you. Having to pay juice on six and a half is what keeps me away from taking the Bills. I wouldn't bet the under. For sure, I'm not saying take right. the under on them. I just don't know six and a half heavily juice is a bet I'm looking to make. No, I'm with you. That 160 scares me uh, plenty too. I will say uh, they don't have to leave New York until October 6th, and they're, they're at the Titans in Nashville. They're at the Jets, at the Giants, Bengals at home, Patriots at home. Now that could be one and three. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising at all. And then a week six bye is not ideal, but they get three home games: Dolphins, Eagles, Redskins out of the gate there. So if they can somehow manage to get to Three and two. I mean, I feel you're feeling really good about seven wins after after that, uh, you know, after the initial start. Now you close that Steelers, that Patriots, Jets. So not 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 nothing's a lock, but I I feel like a hot start from the Bills, and you could like what they are bringing to the table. Yeah, it's like I said, it's possible. I'm not counting them out. You know, the coaching staff has proven that they kind of deserve the benefit of the doubt. They're going to get more out of them than, you know, the Rex Ryan coach team. Um, so you have to like that. You have to like the fact that talent is better. Uh, and we'll see how it happens. You know, maybe a freak injury happens here or there to some other teams and they're in the mix for the playoffs. You know, cross your fingers. That's what we're hoping for. Uh, who's your last team? 
So I like taking unders more than overs because the value is better on the board. You know, the, whenever you look at the board, it's always going to equal more than 256 wins because people like betting overs. Um, so I wanted to take the Patriots under 11. I want to kind of be contrarian there. You know, I think they didn't fill all their needs. Um, the schedules just look too easy for them. Yeah. I don't see how they, they get to at least 11. Chiefs under 10.5 for a lot of the reasons you were trying to bag on them. I kind of wanted to go there. Even Bears under 9, I thought about at plus 100. Um, but I wanted to take an over. And if there's one over I like, it's the Jets at 7.5. Um, I thought about putting in a, you put in an entirely new coaching staff can be tough. I thought that, uh, the Gaze hire was great. I think bringing Greg Williams in is a nice combination for them. Um, it's not Sean McVay and Wade Phillips, but is it that far off? Like, could, could we see that kind of impact from, uh, from Adam Gase if it turns out he just didn't have the offensive talent in Miami? You know, I'm not ruling it out. I think Sam Darnold's going to take a leap in year two. He definitely had flashes as a rookie. He had the trouble with top-notch defenses, and of course, rookies are going to—that's going to happen to rookies. Um, and I was talking about my issue with the Bills. They didn't really bring in a lot of top-end talent, a lot of elite, immediate impact talent. The Jets brought in Le'Veon Bell, Kalecio Semele, C.J. Mosley, and Quinnen Williams. I mean, that is a huge boost of talent, way better than what you're did looking you even, at in Buffalo. Did you even say Le'Veon Bell? Yeah, it was the you first. Did, okay, I okay, I didn't. I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, just making sure. You didn't. Okay, you didn't say Jamison Crowder though. No, that was my next point. He's going to help him, but he's not like a, I'm not going to throw him in the group of top tier talent that's coming in. Um, they got Idoja and he, I think he can come in and he upgrade the right tackle spot. I think it was the fourth round they got him. I still worry about the edge rush. Jakai Polite is a big help there if his head is screwed on straight, but I don't think you can count on that for sure. And I think edge rush was their biggest need. I can see passing on a Josh Allen for Quinnen Williams because Quinnen is so good. Um, but obviously edge rush is, is still a need. So. That doesn't have to be crippling, though, because the Rams didn't have like a signature edge rusher either, and they make it work because the rest of the defense is so good. I think you could see something similar with the Jets. And if the offense is 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 solid as well, I mean, they could surprise. They could get up 8, 9, 10 wins and competing for a playoff spot. Um, they're playing a last-play schedule as well. That's going to help. You get to face the Jaguars and Raiders as their extra games. Plus, they play the NFC East games against the Cowboys and Giants at home. Redskins on the road. Those are all winnable. Uh, I don't think it's out of the question they enter December 7-4, and four, and they only need one more win to get you over that that 7.5 with their last five games. And that stretch of five includes at Bengals, home against the Dolphins, at Ravens, home against the Steelers, and at Bills. None of those are like, you know, mark them down for sure losses either. I'm sure you're going to get one or two in there. You know, at Ravens is tough. Steelers is tough. But more than likely, they'll be five or six or five, five and six going into December. They still can get three or four wins from that stretch and then get to at least eight. So if I'm playing an over, it's going to be the Jets. Bills, Browns, at Patriots to open the year. You can't go in three. Well, they'll get that win against the Bills. Don't worry about that. You think so? At home, yeah. Yeah. I think they can beat the Browns in week two pretty easily, too. I mean, I guess you're probably not winning in New England, but you, I mean, you need to be, you need to have one or two under your belt before you get to, um, before, before you get to, uh, you know, the, the week four bye. That, that, that would be necessary. I'm going to do something dirty. I'm going to take the under as well on a team and I'm going to take the under on my hometown, homish town, Carolina Panthers. Feels bad. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get yelled out about it on radio, but that's fine. Um I thought about going with the Browns under here. Thought about going with the Cardinals over. I think that the Cardinals over presents a little value, but that division scares the crap out of me. It's just gonna be really good and as much as Arizona Cliff Kingsbury is an unknown. We don't we don't know how that offense is gonna end up looking. The offensive line is still bad. I think the reason that you take the uh the the uh, the under on the Carolina Panthers at eight is that First of all, Cam Newton had shoulder surgery. And I'm not sure, 
I think Will Greer is a nice upside pick at 100. They had other needs. Uh, he could eventually be a guy who, who makes an impact for them. But Will Greer, Taylor Heineke, and Kyle Allen are not winning nine games for the Carolina Panthers. I, I don't think that Cam will get hurt. I think he'll be ready for the season. But we saw last year and two of the last three years, he's had surgery on his shoulder at some point, the rotator cuff, whatever it is. I mean, this is a guy who's pretty banged up. Um, you know, DJ Wright. I mean, DJ Moore, Jarius Wright. Jarius Wright's basically like their number two along with Torrey Smith. They signed Chris Hogan. Curtis Samuel is still there. Christian McCaffrey in the backfield is great. Um, they did get Greg Little, which I think is a big plus for them. And they signed Matt Paradis in the offseason. So they have a, they have a decent offensive line. Maybe Greg Little, I, I what do we think he's going to do? Is he going to play backup tackle, switch to guard? I mean, I, I would assume guard, right? I would think tackle. I think you, you draft him if because there's other guys there that you can switch to, to guard if you want to play. It's one of the so guard. You, so, right, so you got Paradis locked in, Trey Turner locked in. Do you put Greg Little at left tackle and move Taylor Moton to Mooton to to left guard, and then Daryl Waves at right tackle, or just you know get worried about a an injury to to Daryl Waves? I, I'm just not sure how you play it. Yeah, I think with Daryl Williams coming back from a, a pretty bad injury, um, you need to have three good tackles. Okay, and I fair. think Little as a second round pick is the backup at this point. You know, develop if he turns if he's in practice blowing people away, you can throw him in over Moton and move him. Yeah. You know, or or by that point maybe you need to move uh, Moton to the to the right side anyway because Williams might be hurt. So that's true. So you can never have too many tackles in this league. Um, I will say that I I very much like. The, uh, the defensive additions in terms of Brian Burns and Christian Miller and what they've done this offseason signing Bruce Irvin. Um, you know, you have Shaq Thompson who's going to work in this hybrid offense that you and I have talked about on this podcast, RJ. But at the same time, I don't think you can necessarily guarantee that this defense, as it sort of, uh, you know, moves into this 4-3-3-4 hybrid is going to be outstanding. I think it'll be better, but I don't think it's going to be outstanding. And, to me, the biggest gambit is you're betting, you're betting against Cam and you're saying, look, there's a chance that he might not be healthy. And if he's not, they're in deep doo-doo. They opened up with the Rams at home, Buccaneers at home, at the Cardinals, at the Texans. Anything from 0-4 to 4-0 wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Jaguars at home, then at Buccaneers. So they get the Buccaneers twice early. Sometimes it's been a slow starting team. Uh, they got to play the Saints twice down the stretch, the Falcons twice down the stretch, at the Packers, uh, Titans at home, at the 49ers, Seahawks at home, at the Colts. It's just a, it's a rough schedule. There's like one, one game that you could look at after their week six, or week seven bye and say, okay, I think that's, uh, a free win. And that's the Redskins at home. And, and I don't think anything else is an easy game for them. So uh, I will take the under on the Panthers. Yeah, you were talking about they, they got some more talent for that hybrid defense they want to pull off. I don't know if they got any interior disruptors, though. Because right. you, you've got bigger guys. You've got Don Terry Poe, K1 Short, you know, Vernon Butler. I think those are all kind of in the same mold. So who's going to be that guy that's getting your pressure from the inside if you want to run a 3-4 type at some point? You, you did a good job bringing in Irvin and Burns in the offseason to supplement Mario Addison. But I think you're pretty weak on the interior, and and that's not going to cut it. If, if and I don't know about the complexity of switching back and forth between formations. If that's going to work, well, yeah, I don't think you can just chalk it up. To you're going to have a good defense because of the talent when you're when you're doing that kind of um, playing with the scheme that much. Um, I don't think they're very deep in the secondary. I think it was good bringing Eric Reed back, but but cornerback gets pretty ugly pretty quickly. Um, so I think there are going to be ways to beat the Panthers, and if Cam Newton's not putting them on his back because he's still dealing with an injury throughout the season, I do think that's going to come in under. Mm, I like it. All right, 
anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Kept you a long time. That's okay. It's a great podcast. You're doing a, you're doing a great job. Uh, I, uh, I was listening to the, the Tuesday one on the way in and got through all the football stuff, having got to the Game of Thrones talk. So ah. I'm excited on my ride home to see what you guys thought about Game of Thrones. Uh, I will, I want to say a, I want to make an apology to one thing I said to so spoiler alert. This is a very brief Game of Thrones thing. If you haven't watched it, my God, people, it's Wednesday. Get your life together. Uh, you know, kick your kids out of the house. Kick your spouse out of the house. Watch Game of Thrones. Spoiler alert. Turn off your podcast if you're, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones yet. Um, I would like to apologize. I, I pointed out that it, I thought that the timing of Arya and Arya creeping up on the Night King, you have watched it, right? Yes. Okay, good. Cause that, this would have been really bad. I assume, yeah. you, I assume you would have stopped me too. Right. Uh, like, like, oh, cool. The night kick guys. Um, I, I said that the timing, I didn't like the timing. And Sean pointed out, um, on, in, in this podcast, you're about that there was actually more time than you really felt like watching it live. And that also that you could see the night, the, one of the white walkers hair move. And they, and so I would like to apologize to the showrunners because there was tons of time. There were a lot of clues that Arya could be that sneaky, not to mention six seasons of her training. Uh, I could have come up with that, but the, you know, the, the blood dropping in there and how she was able to move amongst the dead without them realizing. I, I think I should have picked up on that better, but it was just so intense coming off the battle and in the battle that I think I maybe missed it. Well, I think if there's one thing we know about David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, it's that they listen to this podcast and they appreciate your apology. <laughs> I'm sure that uh, Mr. Weiss and Mr. DeBoff to appreciate that's i can't stop calling that i don't know why uh rj white at rj white one on twitter uh go read everything draft related cbssports.com and of course be on the lookout for sports line we'll have uh we'll have a lot of uh i think pro you promo code pick or promo code white yeah use promo code white so i get a little bit of uh it looks better for me that's right use promo code white on sportsline.com and get it first month for a dollar and we'll get your picks These things are becoming fast and furious as we get closer to the season. RJ, always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks, man.